This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Gelsman gets there. Another good kick from him and here's Hartman now. Hartman going past one man, finding Wagstaff. Wagstaff turning well, setting up Chilton. Right, so Sam. So welcome back to another episode of the Hull and Back podcast. Today I'm joined by Will. How are you doing, buddy? You all right? Uh, yeah, you? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Not too bad. And uh, Nathaniel, how are you doing? You well? Uh, stupendous, thanks. Um, I just wanted to start this episode off by, obviously, as, as we do, thanking the sponsors, with the first sponsor being uh, Sponsors Partners, however we like to name these. Um, first one being Hull City Retro, For as I mentioned on every, every other one. Hull City Retro basically recreate old football shirts. The shirts that Hull City used to love. And the, the, when we look back into old photos and the old newspaper clippings, etc., you see that shirt, you like, look to have a bit of that. They're recreating these shirts and they're doing them at affordable prices as opposed to buying a, an authentic one. Um, so check them out online. I, I believe they're part of, they do a part of a members club. Um, other one is Hull Badgeman. We work closely with Hull Badgeman in the aspect of we want everyone to support him as much as possible coming out of the back end of a pandemic. Uh, pandemic. It's really important that we all support each other, especially in your local area. Support local businesses and help each other grow. Fan Hub. I don't know if anybody has, has heard of this. Um, the climbing and climbing, getting better and better as the weeks go on, and more and more um, customers are getting on board of them. It's essentially a, a way to bring all football fans together. Fans are joining this app, and what you do is you can have you've got your own news feed for your own team, and in there you can predict your lineup. And the better your lineup you predict in terms of how many how many you get right, depends on how high the scoreboard you get. I really won't pay much attention to it, but then just for the weekend, I saw how low down the leaderboard I was, so I've started looking at it a bit more. You get points for reading the news articles, <laughs> listening to other people's podcasts and stuff like that. So it, it really is it's a good way to bring teams together. And also you can check out your opposition's news feed and stuff like that. So before a game, it's, it's interesting to be able to read. Like you could read upon the Bournemouth news before the game. So it was actually really good. There's, there's a lot of content on there and it stays away from the mainstream media. So there's none of that whole live stuff. Um, last one is our most recent sponsor, Charlie Spaulding. Charlie Spaulding is a filmmaker and he's worked with some massive brands known as Jackie Abbott and the likes of Adidas. So he's, he's no small town fry. Um, he knows what he's doing and it's great to have him board. He's a local guy. And again, during these times, it's important that we all stick together and help each other out and look after local businesses. So if we're all ready, I think it'd be a good idea to start the show by 
recapping the Bournemouth game. Now, I don't know about you guys. I thoroughly enjoyed the game. It's probably one of the best I've enjoyed a nil-nil. Um, and you're going to think that's a bit weird because when they, when you look at the stats, you'll see that we had zero shots on target, which is, again, uh, I think this podcast for me has just been a, a lot of firsts. I didn't think I'd ever say that. I enjoyed a nil-nil where we didn't have one shot on target. However, mm-hmm. thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought the guys put a brilliant performance and I walked away happy. So, I mean... To get things started, Will, what was what was your thoughts on on the lineup? You see, we see, obviously we both went to pub together. We saw the lineup pop up. What was your first thoughts? Um, I was I was a little surprised because I thought I thought he'd stay with Smallwood in defend um, midfield. I should say, but he yeah. decided. He, oh yeah, he's going to play Huddleston. Uh, he's going to start Tyler Smith. It, it seemed like a very attacking change to make from what we had been doing previously, um, and it was a nice. It was a nice change overall because it felt like when we started playing, we were playing a bit differently from normal. Instead of we were trying to play, over, we were trying to play through the defense rather than over it at first. And we st- we sort of dragged ourselves back into that old style as the game went on. But it was a, it was a different. We played differently, and the team looked a lot more up for the game than they had done previously. I think one of the th- first things I noticed from watching the game. I think we can cut that part out because daft echo. Um, I think one of the things I noticed was instantly, instead of just McGinnis or Eves are always just stood central all the time. And when we're aiming the ball, we've just got to aim for them perfectly. And if it doesn't land on them, apart from them being able to do a little move left or right to try and win the header, we were pretty much screwed. Whereas, it's immobile, aren't they? Exactly. Whereas Tyler Smith gives us that option to aim for a channel. He gives mm. the option to aim for an area. And that got the defence with a back turned and having to run to their own goal. And that's just so much diff- so much more difficult than just having to win an aerial yeah. ball. It's just literally so much different. Straight away, we noticed that. Um, I'd, Longman, for me, came in and he gave us a different option. A lot of people are probably going to look at me and think I'm a bit of an idiot because I've seen a lot of criticism from online. But I don't care because the ideas and what he was trying to do was the right thing to do. Don't get me wrong, sometimes yeah, it's a little bit of space. It's a little- and a couple of po- a couple of passes were out of place, and yeah, they could have scored from him. You know, there was errors that were made that wasn't capitalised on, but he he showed signs of doing the right thing for me. That's exactly what we need. And I thought he came in, and he'll only get better with time for me. I stopped you there, in fact. Sorry, mate. What were you? Gonna yeah, say? I, I agree. I think the only thing that's kind of holding Longman back, or perhaps it's the fitness because he had been injured. I mean, I was yeah. surprised to see him in the lineup because I thought Randall Williams's pace. Had been been a really good kind of asset in the last few games, but uh, I think you know it's just the quality of what he's doing uh, that's letting him down. Like his first touch, but like his ideas and work rate—that's all really good to see. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm excited to see how he improves over the course of the year. I think he needs to a little bit, just like his te- technical skills, perhaps. But yeah. um, you know, him and Smith and Williams. Uh, I don't think defenders really want to play against them. Maybe they haven't got the 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 um, technical skill just yet, but their pace is going to be a real uh, dangerous sort of force City can use over the uh, you know coming season, which uh, McGinnis yeah. and Eves definitely do not offer. And I think that's the main reason why I was excited to see uh, Smith start as well. I think there was a sense of freedom there as well. It felt like they was just given the opportunity to just do what you do best. 
We've obviously seen you on the training ground, just kind of do it. Obviously, there's realms within it where they wanted to go down the wing and bring the ball in and look for a cutback or drill it across the six-yard box, as I like to try and do. But there's a sense of freedom in the build-up to that where they're allowed to do whatever they wanted. And you can mm. see him trying to do a little triangles, trying to get in behind. There was little things like that which we haven't seen so far, which was very, very um, impressive for me. I, I thought we've worked on something there. And let's not forget, this was against Bournemouth. This is a team that was in the Premiership last good year. Side. And, and we was in yeah. League One. Come yeah, on, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, year, the year before, sorry. Yeah, let's not forget these are a good team. They're, they're a very, they've got a lot of um, really good players in the team, and they've got arguably one of the best managers in the league as well. So, let, for me, there's a lot of positives there. There's a lot of positives to take from that. I, mm-hmm. I was really proud of the team. So, yeah, we, 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 uh, we've touched on. Sorry, Nathaniel, carry on. I don't know whether it was the best performance. In some ways, I feel like the QPR game was better. Yeah. Um, I feel like we had a lot more energy than like the derby game. We actually looked like we wanted to go forward and get the ball forward and score a goal, whereas derby, it was just sort of lethargic. But, I mean, Solanke could have had a hat-trick and definitely should have had about one or two. And as you mentioned, to start with, no shots on target again. We did have a few chances and Doherty could have won the game, perhaps hit the bar. But uh, I think going forward and defensively with the chances we gave Bournemouth especially from like corners it was a little worrying but I mean delighted with the point and sometimes mm-hmm. we're just going to need need that bit of luck because uh, you know against a good side like that that will create chances you just need that luck that they won't finish them. Well let's be realistic a, a point at home to Bournemouth after the run we've just been on with a free straight defeats you go into the international you, you you go into an international break with your a positive mindset, yeah, and that's all we could gained. ask for. Exactly, it wasn't as though we lost two points; we gained one in a game Absolutely. where, we especially went into Derby thinking we were going to coast it, and we didn't. You know, you then picking up points where you thought you wouldn't get them. That's it's a massive win. That that's, and that's much nicer that way round, isn't it? You touched on it, you touched on it briefly yourself in terms of the approach of the game. It felt like we wanted to go attack them, and that's what I was going to ask next. Is like, what did you think to the approach? Because for me, I saw a team that was probably sat three or four or five yards higher up than what there was against, say, for example, Derby. Derby was pretty much halfway into our own half at all times, whereas it was a lot higher up here and we was in their face. We was doing a bit of pressing. It wasn't the best press, but we was, we was pressing, which meant that there was passing around the back. Like we like to, they like to start from the back and it encouraged both teams to press. I was really impressed with that in terms of the way we wanted to get out. And I think Tyler Smith kind of encouraged that. With, the, with his running, would you agree? Yeah, I think so. Um, with Bernard especially, and uh, I thought Hoddleston too, um, they did really well at winning the ball back high up the pitch. So rather than like starting a move, passing it from the back, it seems one of our tactics to, to attack is to win the ball. Um, and, yeah. you know, Bernard sometimes, uh, you know, as a centre-back, he was almost playing as like an attacking midfielder once he wins the ball off the Bournemouth midfield and then he springs an attack from there so that was really promising to see and I think that's one of the reasons why Hoddleston was man of the match because uh, the amount of times he just he was you know he doesn't need the pace he was just in the right place at the right time and he won the ball back and uh, got a move going I don't know if you saw yourself but I, I noticed numerous times and I think everybody saw this with Deshaun which is why oh, I'm, I'm going to refer to him from now on as Big D I, yeah. I, I'm a big, big fan of Big D I'm going to keep that Um Big D himself, as everyone else saw in the game, he just went and he just went for everything. 
know, he, he wanted to be all over everything. Yeah. He, he stepped up past, sometimes stepped up past the centre back, the centre mids, and went and pressed that ball. But every time he did that, Tom Huston dropped in for him. It was like it was just mm-hmm. it was it was I don't know, I don't know where it is for it. I'm I'm gonna jump sure. Sweet perfect the way it worked. Yeah. So he just swapped it, swept in behind him. Bernard went, yeah, I'm off, mate. Uh he went and Huddleston sat back in. So me personally, we haven't had that for a long time. And the, the person he kind of reminds me who did that at the beginning was James Chester. James Chester always used to win loads of balls at the feet. He used to tackle everyone. Like mm-hmm. he probably wasn't the best in the air, but in terms of tackling and meeting the ball and, and pre- pressing the defender up, being on tight like shirt tight, he did a lot of that. So that's who he instantly reminded me of. And then when you brought into the fact he's from Manchester United as well, kind of made sense. Um I think. We're all going to have the same answer here. But I'm going to ask, who was... Uh, Huddleston was the man of the match on the day, but who was your man of the match, Will? See, I've had to think about this over the last couple of days since the match. And I, at the time, I was like, oh, I Doherty. And I thought Doherty had a good game. Um, really but good. no, I, I don't think he was Doherty. Yeah, but he, he did have a good game, and he's been one of our most consistent performers all season, as as he always is for City, to be fair. Um but the more I think about it, the more I think that, yeah, Bernard was probably well, the big dish, as he calls himself on Twitter. Oh, but um, I think he probably was the best player on the pitch for what might be the second game running. Um, he just looked so good. He looked so comfortable on the ball. He just looked so astute when he made a tackle. He, his runs... And like you say about Huddle, him and Huddleston's partnership worked really well. That The... the the connection between the midfield and the defence constantly switching. It just added an extra dimension to that team and the way that they attacked the ball. And I think he was, on, for the most part, unbeatable like yesterday. Most of the issues that we had came from out wide coming in rather than through the middle. Um, and I think that's because him and Greaves was okay. Not yeah. the greatest, yeah. but he was okay. But... Bernard, whenever the ball went near him, he usually would be all over it. Yeah, and uh, again, as soon as the ball, again, as soon as the ball kind of went to uh, an attacker within the re- within the realm of Big D, he just he was all over him. You know, he was right up in their face. So, how many innuendos can I get in with this? Let's let's be realistic. Many, many. Yeah, he's going to carry on in it. I'm going to pull some off. I think. Um, so we'll, we'll pause there. So, Nathaniel, same question to yourself then. Um, who stood out for you? Do you agree? Was it Big D? Uh, yeah, I mean, he was really impressive, but uh, I'd go with Doherty as man of the match and my player of the month as well. It's taken him less time this season to sort of find his stride, like last year, where it took up until about December. But uh, last few games has been really impressive and uh I thought, you know, like Huddleston and Bernard, he was winning the ball back, but um, he was one of our, perhaps our best attacking player. Um, I don't know whether he had, well, he had that big chance, which perhaps he could have scored, but he was unlucky not to hitting the bar. But I think he was our best um, attacking outlet and uh, one of the uh, main reasons why we kept winning the ball back as well. So I go Doherty. But um, Bedard was really impressive. And I'll put this question to well, both of you. 
when Jones is back, should we drop Bernard? We, I, I say no based on form. I agree. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Um, it's unfortunate for Jones because I don't feel like he's put a foot wrong so far. But yeah, he's, he's just wrong place, wrong time. In terms of big D, he's, he's coming in. He's took his chance. You know, he's um, mm. he's filled the gap, hasn't he? Mm. Well, Jones only got into on. the team because <laughs> Jones only got into the team last year because I think was it Burke or Smallwood got injured. So it was because you know, Burke mainly got injured. Yeah, exactly. But that's the sort of thing. Like Emmanuel had his uh, spot, and McGinnis, um, McCann is happy to um, play players like for a long time, even when they're alleged, you know, uh, superior player that we think was going to start there. If they're injured, then whoever, you know, it's uh, possible for players to fight for their spot. And I think Bernard could be uh, could oust Jones for a long time. I agree. If he carries on playing the way he is, it, there's no no reason why he shouldn't. And I've made my I've made my thoughts perfectly clear right now on, on in terms of Big D. There was a couple of performances that complement each other really well, and we, we go off. Guys, go off. Go off. <laughs> um, we, we go off um, how well Huddleston and Big D complement each other, and then in terms of the middle three, they, they were brilliant together. I said to you halfway through the game, well, it must be great for Huddleston to know he's got Smith next to him and for Smith to know he's got Huddleston next to him. Yeah. I felt like them two sat... I don't know if anybody disagrees with me, but I felt like them two sat in front of the back four and allowed Doherty to go further up, which meant he could press further. He could do the pressing mm-hmm. yeah. um, without the worry of creating gaps, which he, which I um, said he was doing the, the week before. So, personally, I thought that worked really well. What I'm worried about now is where does Honeyman get in the team? So Honeyman up has front. to start for me, but <laughs> that midfield is just is, there's too many play- they've got too it's many bodies stacked. on us, and we might have more come the end of the deadline. Exactly, and it's just it, as it sounds, you, you hope an injury comes just so you can bring one in without letting one down, and yeah. and that's, that's the way it is at the moment. It's really tough because, like we say, Honeyman and Doherty really complement each other in terms of the way mm. they get the game by the scruff of the necks and press teams and make them mm. have to play the ball like the. The thought was a bit of a risk. That's what they do. But then, who loses a place for it? Do you lose a technically, but the technical ability in Matt Smith, or do you use a hold, or do you lose a holding role of Huddleston? You know, it's it's it really is going to be a tough one. I think I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not. I'm just glad I'm not on Grant McCann's shoes. At that yeah. Point. yeah. Can I just can we just have a moment of silence for uh, Andy Cannon? Because he's never going to play, ever. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I mean, literally, yeah, every, literally I mean, everyone is above off, the He did come order. off the bench. So it was nice to see he actually got an appearance. Yeah. But I do feel sorry mm. for him because it feels like, even though he had a decent preseason, it feels like he's just moved further down the pecking order, even though he's not really had mm. a chance to show in the main season that he, if he's worthy or not. I mean, and he's scored, hasn't he? He's one of our four yeah, players to score. Um, yet he's, I feel like he's probably the lowest ranking, but I think he's, you know, a better player than, or much better than Flores. So uh, if he's your least uh, your talented midfielder, then that's quite optim- uh, encouraging. <laughs> and that, uh, before we move on to obviously the next part of the, of, the, of the podcast, I do want to mention one thing, you know, a massive congratulations to Joshua Hines on, on making his senior debut. It, what, what did you make of the performance? Well, I'm not going to mention what my dad said. I'll be honest with you. I don't know, I don't know if you're allowed to say it. But. Um, well, yeah. Um, 
I thought he looked he looked very much up for it. He didn't really get much to do, to be fair. He didn't have the ball a lot, but when he was on the ball or when he went for the ball, he definitely seemed to do everything he could to go forward and press and attack. As he as he obviously says, he just won from a striker, but he looked he did look a very he looked a bit naive. I think maybe he's the best for to, but he's an eighteen year old as his debut. That's fair enough. I can um, imagine there was a. <laughs> I can imagine there was a thousand things going through his head right then. Yeah. There was no, he didn't have a clear brain there when he came on. And I think you're only human to have all them thoughts running through your head. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Next. Mm-hmm. What about you? Yeah, what I mean, did you make to it? Yeah, when he came on, it was really great to see, you know, a player get a debut. Like, I think it was that his complete ever debut in any competition. Um, it was I don't remember him debut. playing. I don't know if it was his, yeah, yeah. I think it was his. He, I can't remember if he's appeared for us first team before, but I know he's a league team. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, I don't know, I'm not sure whether he actually did touch the ball, but like he ran around and that's all he needed to do. I feel like in that second half, him and uh, Smith didn't really have any support. The amount of times Randall Williams, who isn't, you know, the biggest lad, had to challenge for a header against one of the yeah. Bournemouth centre backs was was uh, not very encouraging. I, I tweeted afterwards that we just need to stop lumping it. I thought the first half was good when we were winning the ball and going forward. But, you know, Smith and Lewis Potter and Longman and Williams, uh, they're not going to win any aerial headers so um, or challenges. So that's not really the way we should be playing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Hines came on full of energy, as you'd expect from a debutant and uh, hopefully, you know, at some point he can uh, get a goal, perhaps, and kind of be yeah. uh, one for the future. Yeah, just just uh, for completion's sake, I just checked, and yeah, he did. He appeared in the Wigan Cup game, but yeah, it's just his mm-hmm. best appearance. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. So, I mean, overall, we're all to end that. We're all happy. I'd like to think with a point from that game and a more Warranted. encouraging performance. Yeah, so I think I predicted the draw when we did the pod last week. I think I did. It's um, not good, is it? Uh, I don't remember. It's not good, but <laughs> I blame alcohol. So um, I'm happy with a point. I was I was expecting it. I was hoping for a point. Before the game, I would have been happy with a point. After the game, I'm, again, happy with the point. Yeah, still happy. Yeah. It's not like uh, a, one of those draws where you're 2-0 up and then you bottle it. No. I mean, I would have been happier if we'd scored, but, um, I mean, mean, I'm delighted with the point and so-so about the performance, I think. If, like, Randall Williams' chance at the end had just gone in the top corner instead of going wide, that would have been... Limbs. Sealed it, wouldn't it? Yes. That's the best way to describe it. I mean, I felt like we had a better first half than we did second half. I don't know Mm -hmm. about anybody else. Yeah, we did better. And I, in the back of my mind, I had, we need to score in this first half because... I think Scott Park is going to change something up, whether it be just formation or how he's going to ask his players to play in the second half. And they did come out when they did have a second half. So he did something and it worked. Um, not as much as he'd like to. But if we'd have scored in that first half, I think it'd have been a little bit better for us. Um, I think we'd have held on. I think little things just went for us during the day, whereas a lot of little things didn't as well. It, the important stuff went for us, I thought. But yeah. that that kind of concludes the, 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 the Bournemouth. The Bournemouth. The Bournemouth. The Bournemouth game. 
we'll, we'll move on to the, the next section. Um, so the next part was always going to be um, something that I brought in last week, and I was really looking forward to doing it again this week. And it's normally, and from now on, it's going to be Ant's rant. But Ant's not with us today, so we oh. don't have a rant and we don't have an ant. So I've had to fill a gap, and this, and we're going to talk about because it ends because it ends today. Oh no, um, the transfer window. So the, the the transfer window. I want. I just want to briefly touch on you guys and see what your thoughts have been on the whole city transfer window in, in, individually first. So, uh, Will, what have you thought of it? Who have you liked that's come in? Have we done good business? You know, summarize it for me, please. Um, I think considering we're only going for. Uh loan players and free transfers due to the embargo, I think it's been all right um, based on that particular business model anyway. Um, we, we, we was missing some points like in defence, we needed some, we needed a couple of bodies, we needed a couple, we needed a couple of people up front, we needed to get rid of some of the players who overall were never going to ever do well here um, and I think we managed to achieve all those at this point so far in the window. Um, I know, obviously, there's still a couple of irons in the fire for Grant. I know he's still trying to get Regan Slater. Um, while I would like Regan Slater, I feel like at the moment we've got a bit too many people in the midfield. Yeah. So it feels like an almost pointless thing. I'd maybe try and go for maybe either another centre-back, if possible, or another striker, just as a backup again. A different, But I can't really complain. Considering the embargo and considering we can only have a certain number of people and considering you can only pay a certain amount, I'm happy with what we've done in the window. I'd agree. I'd, 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 I'd agree massively. Um, I thought we've I thought we've done with some great business, and a couple of things obviously stand out where we we've got players in like, especially for me. I didn't know much about George Munker before he came in, so for me, I thought, why are we buying a, a looting player? You know, and that's how naive someone can be sometimes. And then as soon as you see him play, you go, well, that's why we signed George Munker. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with, with um, Big D. None of us knew anything about him beforehand. None of us knew anything about him before. And I don't believe anyone did anyway. So for him to come in, I, everyone can't. But I definitely went, he's just going to sit on the fringes and he'll probably come on when we don't have any other centre-backs available. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, he's done that. He's come in when we didn't have anyone else available and he's taken his chance. He's played brilliant. So in terms of the work that's gone on in the background, I think we've done a really good job in term, considering we've had our hands tied. Would you agree, Nathaniel? Uh, I mean, before the window started, um, I thought, because we didn't know we were under an embargo, and it was a bit frustrating to start with, like, we were going for players like Slater, like Dion Charles, um, like um, Carl Dempsey at Gillingham, and we were getting priced out of them. So I feel like, in a certain way, perhaps we missed a chance at signing some decent players for permanent fees whilst we seemingly weren't under an embargo, although maybe we were, we don't really know. We just weren't aware, yeah. Yeah, we might not just have been aware. But so a little bit disappointed, like if you told uh, two months ago, Nathaniel, these are the 10 or nine players we're going to sign, he'd be a little bit disappointed because there's no, other than Munker, there's not really like a lot of championship experience. Um, whoa, and whoa, whoa. The, oh, Nathaniel. Other than Huddleston. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Go on. Exactly. Go on, but then Huddle, Huddleston has sort of swung it the other way that actually, like, uh, you could say that, like, Honeyman or, or whoever players, whichever ones you want to say, can step up to League One. 
of, of from League One to the Championship, but they've all been in League One last year. So it's basically a League One team, maybe a good one, but still League One. But then you've just got like a Premier League player just sitting in the middle of that, which is Huddleston, even though he's a bit old. But um, I think generally, the, I mean, the depth we've got now, especially midfield, is really good. Um, but yeah, I would have liked to see a um, a more experienced centre-back. And I think Smith's a good uh, signing up front. That was the main thing missing. Uh, and it's really important we've got a, a striker. Option. Exactly. And um, didn't need to be anyone good, but we just couldn't go into another championship season or any season in any competition with McGuinness and Eves, who were both getting on a bit, really, and uh, have never really proved it at this level. So... Smith's good, and um, I still would like a, a just a thirty-five-year-old centre back, just so we can say, you know, he's got wisdom. But um, I think generally it's been it's been decent, like a I'm, like a six out of ten maybe. It's been okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a different approach here in terms of not so much a transfer window, but in terms of how much last season helped us. I remember saying at the back end of the championship season when we was on free fall, and we, we all kind of knew we was going to get relegated, but we weren't quite there mm-hmm. yet. Um, I remember saying the League One's probably going to be the best thing for us. With some of the younger players we've got coming through, it gives them the opportunity to have a full season of competitive football with the players that they're potentially going to be playing with the season after if we get promoted in the likes of KLP and Greaves. And I've, I put McLaughlin in that lift and, list and Fleming as well. But what this has done massively, and you mix it with COVID as well and the pandemic and no fans being allowed in, it's allowed these players to play with a bit of a peace of mind and freedom in the aspect of they're not going to get much criticism. Those moments, for instance, where, as you can appreciate, if you miss a one-on-one or something like that, that's a devastating moment in front of 15,000 fans. I know we've had 15,000 for a while, but it, it's, it's a devastating moment. And these players have been able to kind of just play with a peace of mind Add that into the fact of how many games we had last year with all the, the trophy, all the cups we was in and stuff like that. Thousands. Um, again, there was a lot of game time there, competitive football, where we could gel and get together and use what we wanted. Because we did have a good enough squad for the championship last time, I believe. I feel like we did. But we were just in a free-fall zone and we, we couldn't buy a win from anywhere. So, for me, having that season without any supporters really helped us. Everyone, Some mm-hmm. people might listen to this and think, what an idiot. But for me, it, it kind of made sense in terms of it's allowed the likes of them to come through without the pressure of the fans being on the back. Don't get me wrong, the swings and roundabouts, if they had great seasons anyway, would have been you know praising them along the way and they, they maybe could have done better. But they, they had the chance to develop during competitive football, playing against men, as, as the saying goes, for a long time. So that was a, a big thing for me. So we've had a full year of playing the way that Grant McCann wants us to play and we're been able to adopt that and take it into the championship, which with the additions that is wanted, again, has only made us that better. But moving away from our transfer window, let's just have a quick chat about the transfer window. Uh, we're all going to agree here, this is going to go down as the, the biggest and the best transfer window we have ever seen. Would you agree? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. I can't think of a more mental one. With PSG being the most notable. It's just gone bonkers, hasn't it? Like the whole merry-go-round. 
Like 100%. every big club, and you you're used to that with like, oh, you know, Carlisle have to get someone out on loan before they can yeah. sign someone from Wickham. You know, it's exactly. not like that anymore. It's 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 a merry-go-round around the biggest clubs in Europe, and it's still not over yet. And it's probably still going to have effects in like January as well. So, I mean, it's, it's been yeah. it's been wild, and it's not over yet. We could have Mbappe to Real Madrid, possibly, and I don't know. Last night, he scored two, didn't he? Um, yeah. Did you see the did you see, um, all the fan the um, players lined up to get pictures with Messi after the game? Yes, I, I watched it. <laughs> all the Rams players. It's, it's, it's a real moment, isn't it? That um, is the. Tra- I know. Obviously, there's been one to the Premier League. That's quite big, but Messi to PSG is the transfer of the window. Oh, I don't know about that. Uh, we all saw it, it in the game. We thought no, Ronaldo has moved to other clubs before. Yeah, Messi hasn't. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah, but, I think that's bigger. I just, I just think of the window. Like we had such a good Euros, and during the Euros, we we're hearing about conversations that are happening in terms of players that go in places and Don Rumor to PSG on a free. And you can I think, well, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. And then you hear about Ramos, and you go to PSG for free as well. And then you carry it keeps snowballing. Like, Ronaldo, yeah. And Messi. Well, I mean, they're essentially the new Galacticos, PSG, but they've paid nothing going, for any yeah. of these players. Mm. Fantastic business. They have to win. They have to win the Champions League. If they don't, it's an utter failure. I mean, the one thing I'm not looking forward to is how unbearable Man United fans are going to be. Just with the fact that they've got Ronaldo back. And uh, to be honest, it's going to be so difficult if Ronaldo scores first. I won't lie. I'm glad he's gone to Man U over Man City because I think they'd be worse. I don't know. I really don't know. Like, Depends. I've got a lot of mates that are Man U fans, and I get on really well with them, and we 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 share some good opinions on in terms of what we think of the game. But with them being so big of a club and having such a big fan base, there's a lot of morons that support them as well. Oh yeah, that'll but that's true. Just, yeah, I know just a couple. Crap. That'll just spew crap all online, and I'm not looking forward to seeing that. That's what I mean. So my genuine mates that I mean that, don't um, want to do that anywhere. To be fair, I'm happy for them to have Ronaldo back. You know because. They've had so many good moments. It's like us with Huddleston. We had so many good moments with this player. Nowhere near as big as Ronaldo, but we've had so many good moments with it. Like they have with Ronaldo, it's their turn to enjoy that nostalgia, get to see him put the kit on again and have that moment. Yeah, that's, that's quite awesome. to be so unbearable because mm. it will be. It will be. But I still don't think it, they're not going to be unbearable if they're sitting in like third. If they're winning the league, then maybe <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh, we've got Ronaldo and we're winning the league. But I, mean, I still, it, I still don't think they're title challengers. They could be sat in twentieth with their biggest rivals top of the table. <laughs> yeah, there is that in there. <laughs> um, the big one for me. I, I don't know if you guys saw the the Liverpool Chelsea game, um, but look at first, it, it's, it's definitely not a red card. It's definitely not a red card, and that that's ruined the game for me. It's. I mean, I think under the rules. Yeah, under the rules, it has to be, unfortunately. Yeah, that's the problem. It's but not the. It doesn't it's feel not, right. It's 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 not the the decisions. It's the rules are wrong. Exactly. Yeah. Because it is a handball. It is a red card as a result. The problem is because it comes off a different part of his body before it hits his arm. That should that should t- be taken into account. I thought account. that got changed like three months into last season. It, I thought they did. That, and the handball rules seem to change every two weeks, um, but I don't think they've changed in terms of penalty, like on the line penalties, because it's more it's not an issue of it being a handball; it's an issue of it being a red card rather than a handball. Yeah, 
Because yeah, it, it, really it is a handball. It's, it's just because the punishment is incorrect based on how, or based on the context. I'm I'm going to digress a little bit here. And for me, penalties are. are um, I'm not a fan of them to some degree. Because I feel like you're given a goal-scoring opportunity from sometimes something that isn't a goal-scoring opportunity. I'm going, to put into a, I'm going to put this into a perfect example. For If anybody hasn't seen it yet, watch the highlights back on the Norwich and Leicester game. Because Jamie Vardy goes through on goal, he gets clipped, and any other player, I'm going to mention his name, say, for instance, Mo Salah, he's down there. 100% he's down. It's a, it, you see oh, the slow for back. it. It's a clear it's a clear as day penalty, but Jamie Vardy goes, I'm staying on my feet, I like scoring goals, I'm going to try and put this in the back of the net. And he's mm-hmm. lost a yard there, which means he's... Uh, and you heard how I spoke about this with a red card monkey uh, the other day. You lose a yard, you then overcompensate in other areas, which meant his finish wasn't mm-hmm. as good. And therefore, the shot went straight at the keeper. I can't remember. It might have been the keeper, it went wide. But up the other end, we've had the same thing. But Jamie Vardy's through on goal, and he's been he stayed honest and they've not got a penalty. Other end of the pitch, um, I can't remember who the player is. Soyuncu clips a, Do- a Norwich player who's just about to go out of play for a, um, a goal kick. He goes down and they've got a goal scoring opportunity. And all, all of a sudden, the game goes from what could have been a 2 0 up to a 1 1. And it's mm-hmm. it's mind blowing. And, and for me, you see, like, you'll get a, a shot from the edge of the box and it hits a hand just inside the area, or someone will clip someone just, on, um, just inside the area, corner of the box. Oh, you can have a free shot on goal for that. It just doesn't make any sense. Like, how how have you got a goal scoring opportunity from something that yeah, wasn't I mean, a the, goal scoring opportunity? They could have drawn the penalty box somewhere, but yeah, I mean, like it's basically giving you a goal, and if you're just on the byline and the ball's going out, it's the same as if you're. Uh, but if you're like just outside the box and you get two footed from the back from a centre back, it's but you're not in the box. That should yeah. be a penalty, really, but you're not going to get it because it's not in the box. So, yeah, I mean, sometimes it does feel a bit unfair, but that sort of... It's just a, an element yeah. of the game you've got That's to be aware of. Where does it... You, you can say, like, oh, he's, he's going to have a go and all that, but there is a point where the penalty box is a penalty box and yeah. anything that happens in it has to be a penalty. Yeah, You have to... Have, like, so you have, like you say with them entering the box, you have to draw that line. There can't be a grey area because if there's a grey area, people will be saying, well, it was only that far out by that yeah. penalty and then it mm. It's a tough gig, isn't it? We've seen it ourselves in many games before where, you, like you say, you threw on goal, one-on-one with the keeper and someone absolutely clears you out just outside the box. That You, you gain no sort of advantage from having a free kick on the edge of the box unless you've got a free kick specialist. Even uh, then, like a free kick on the edge of the box, usually you need it like about five yards further out. But you've gone from a one-on-one opportunity to all of a sudden it's all your players against all their players again. It's one on eleven, isn't it? Exactly. So there is no justification there, and I feel like usually usually there'll be a red card in those scenarios. Though I suppose. Mm Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm griping. I'm griping here. Yeah, because there is no. Because it's blame man for this because he's got no. He's not here to his rant. Yeah, so I think I'm taking Matt's it up here, right? Uh, yeah, Neggy, Neggy Lil, Neggy Lil, that's what we'll go for. Um, so what, what I'm trying to get out there is it's something that just frustrates me. There's no fix to it, I know there isn't, but it just annoys me out because, like you mentioned, grey areas, people are taking advantage of the rule, rules a little bit it, there. Yeah, the problem is at the moment the rules kind of reward cheating to an extent. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that sums up the transfer window. Um, <laughs> well, we hardly talked about it. We, we talked know. about PSG, and then we talked about the Liverpool Chelsea game. But 
Seems yeah. alright to me. It has, it has been wild. Yeah. As you know, we've now started an international break. This is a great opportunity for clubs to get their injured players back. Hull being a prime example of that, and it's an opportunity for us, team, us fans at the lower levels to enjoy some elite football that we can actually support. Um, for those that don't know the England squad, there's been four changes from the Euros. We've had Pope come in, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Bamford and Jesse Lingard. Some questioning whether Greenwood should be in there instead. But that's up for discussion. Two, I think there's, there's two you could possibly question, Greenwood and maybe, I know I've, I've seen people say, I think based on form, you could maybe argue Mikel Antonio. Well. Michael Antonio has actually gone. Has he, has, see, I was Jamaica, wondering this. Has he Jamaica. chosen Jamaica or is he actually still eligible for England? Yeah, but no, can we get him back anyway? I'm sure it mentioned it during the um, the last game. Uh, I've seen TV. that. So I wasn't sure if he was still eligible or not. That was all. Can't do the blade. But yeah, um, it, it was when he was on TV and he, he bagged two. Um, it was that game and they mentioned it on the oh, TV. The cardboard cutout. Yeah, the cardboard cutout game. Football yeah, needs more Ni- Mikel Antonio's. If anybody saw, if you haven't seen his interview after that game, check it out. It's literally, you, you, you can't help but smile all the way through it. It's nice seeing so footballers good. actually enjoy themselves. Exactly. And he's talking about yeah. how he's going to be the top goal scorer. He's like, yeah, 100%, I'll be top goal scorer. Yeah, it's great. And that's, that's what you great. want to see. Yeah, confidence. And nobody even, before the season, a few might have done, but not many people had West Ham to finish in the top four. And there's a good chance. There is a good chance that they could do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Probably if they work. believe in themselves. Well, Arsenal, if Arsenal goes down, they're likely. But in terms of the England squad, then we're going to be facing up against, I think we've got Hungary away, um, Andorra at home, and then Poland away. I mean, do you envisage nine points in the qualifiers from that? Yeah, I think... Mm. Well, a draw at Poland would be fine because we've already beaten them, but I think six points from the other two games is a must and probably will happen. I'd yeah, be scared I'll... if we're going to Hungary if they've had the fans, but I think they've been banned from the stadium. So it should be easier than it was for like France in the Euros. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, yeah, it's. I'd I'd say there's one, pretty much guaranteed three points if England actually turn up, which is Andorra. Uh, relatively tricky game in Hungary, and then a actually tricky game in Poland. Yeah, they're not as good yeah. as they used to be, Poland. Like they're missing Grzycki. I was about to bring Grzycki into the conversation. I thought, what a what a window this would have been if um, Bowen got his first call up and could have seen Bowen going up against Grzycki. But neither of them have got a call up. So it'd have been magical, wouldn't it? I wanted to touch on this a little bit because I feel like Bowen's really lucky in terms of the generation he's in at the moment because we've got some. He's got no chance. We've got some phenomenal wingers, haven't we? Let's be honest. In terms of wide players, we've got some phenomenal ones, and the lad. For me, has come up out of nowhere. He's done brilliant for all city, and although he isn't getting the the stats on the board in terms of goals and assists for West Ham, he's been very his, good for West Ham. His performances have been incredible, and we, we watched mm-hmm. this stuff. We're obviously going to back him a little bit more than your neutral fan because we've got a bit of a um, bond with him already. But he's he's been brilliant to watch. Him and Ben Ra- Ben Rama, um, yeah. Ben Rama, him yeah. and Ben Rama coming up from the Championship have haven't looked out of place. It took Ben Rama a little bit longer to settle, but they look great. They really do. Um, it'd be great to see him do it. But as we know, there is a bit of a hiatus against the smaller clubs and English players making it into that. And we're, we're seeing a bit of a break in the chain with Mings, Phillips, and now more so ba- um, Bamford coming in. 
But what do you think on this? Do you reckon Grealish should be dropped again now? Or not because he's a Man City player? Don't know. I mean, I mean I'd mean, i like to see him play anyway. I mean, it, but, I mean, I but then Sancho is a Man United player, so... Yeah, you're right. Um, it's, it's a strange one, Sancho, because the hype around him is, seems to be a lot bigger and better than what he is. Or what no, we've seen. I think the hype is the hype is correct. I would say yeah, his numbers for Dortmund are very, very good. They're great. It's, no, I, I agree. I thought it was a, I thought it was a good player, but why aren't managers playing him? He's not broken into the Man U squad yet. Well, yeah, he, he was his first. He was his first start uh, this weekend against Wolves. He played. He was his first. Yeah, he started. Um, I think. I think going forward, he'll be playing a lot more, and I think they'll be. I think Manu will be trying to play a front. I'll say front four because I'm not sure of probably Rashford, Ronaldo, Sancho, and Greenwood if they can. It's probably yeah. maybe interchangeable, but that's what they're going to try and have as their attack. And I think we've we've seen as we mentioned the chain reaction during the, the transfer window. Um, one of the chain reactions that we're going to see now is with these players coming into Man United is an ex Hull City player going leaving. And have you seen the snippets online around him going to Leeds or Everton? Oh, yeah, well. yeah, yeah. It, it, it could be his Leeds move, a chance for him to come back home. And when Leeds are playing, yeah, watch us. I saw that 30 million. 30 man, you are uh doing, the, doing them there if that's the case. Because while well, I think that, Andrew's a decent player, market. 30 million is a joke, considering in particular, I know there's an age difference and everything. Ronaldo went for about 15 million, technically, yeah. I know thirty-six and everything, but it's still it looks like a, they're having their pants down. Whoever takes got to recoup some money, aren't they? They've spent a lot yeah. of money. Thanks for listening, everyone. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure speaking to you both again. Cheers for um, having me on and letting me let me host again. So it's it's been brilliant. Thanks, Nathaniel, and, and thanks, Will. Until next time, it's a pleasure. See you later, guys. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Bye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.